Tonight, Homer's Epic Journey. I'm Richard. And I'm Gary, and these are our incredible stories. And again, good evening to our listeners all across the United States of America and around the world. Welcome to another incredible story tonight. Tonight, another delightful treat. This is the heartwarming animal story that we'll be bringing you tonight. And with us to relate that tale is our resident animal lover. Yes, Amber is here with us. Last time Amber was here, uh, you shared with us the story of uh, Dewey Readmore, the library cat. And uh, I believe now you have a new story about another special animal. Is this another cat story? It is another cat story. Okay. An amazing story. Now, first of all, is this from a book? Is this something that uh, you found on the internet? Tell us how you came across this uh, amazing story. This is from a book. Um, I found it just by meandering through a bookstore and it caught my attention. Uh, the name of the book is Homer's Odyssey after uh, the mythology. So I at first thought it unusual that it had a similar name but a different cover. Um, Definitely but, a play on words. Yes, um, he was named after the Greek character Homer and how Homer's life was an epic odyssey, an epic journey, an adventure if you will. Okay, so tell us a little bit about Homer. So Homer was found when he was two weeks old, and as you probably are aware, because you're a cat person, cats are born with their eyes closed. So before Homer's eyes were ever able to be open, he got a uh, ocular infection, and to save his life, they had to remove his eyes. So oh. he he never had the ability to see, so he didn't miss it. The couple that found him uh, in Miami were of the impression that he was suffering and wanted him to be euthanized. Um, but the veterinarian knew that other than his eyes, Homer appeared to be completely normal and healthy. And she had every ounce of faith that this little cat would do just fine. So she offered to do the surgery and that if they wanted to still adopt him, they could. And at that point, they signed over uh the kitten immediately because he was crying. They thought it was pain. It was actually hunger. He was a, a feral cat, kind of like your, uh, your midnight was. And he was a black cat. So blind black cat kind of thought to be unlucky. Um, but this veterinarian took a chance on him and then went around and called all of her friends that were also veterinarians that sometimes fostered animal and tried to find the little guy a home. And um, nobody seemed to want to take Homer at first. And then she got a hold of this woman Gwen Cooper, um, who was kind of like, um, she did a lot of volunteer work with the animal shelters or whatnot, and she already had two other cats herself, Scarlet and Vashti, and um, she wasn't really looking to get a third cat. She'd always jokingly said she wanted one, and she already had a name for it, um, and then when she took one look at Homer, well, the rest was history. He, he ended up being with her for 16 years. Wow. Now... How did Homer become so famous? Was it just because of the book, or was there an event surrounding Homer? So what was really impressive about Homer, um, he became famous, I think, before the book, but I think the production of the book 
made it farther stretched, if that makes sense. Um, Homer being blind, you would think he would be very uh, timid and um, afraid to try new things, uh, sure. afraid of sounds. But he was just the opposite. Um, Homer took what I would call a leap of faith, and, and actually the book refers to it as a leap of faith. He, he wasn't afraid of anything. And if he heard a loud sound or something unusual, instead of being like most cats who scurry to safety under a piece of furniture, he would walk right up to it. Um, he didn't meet a person he didn't like, except on one occasion where his owner was living by herself in an apartment on, uh, I believe she was on the 11th floor and, in Miami, and uh, sound asleep, middle of the night, eyeless black cat starts hissing. And, and this is a cat who's very gentle in nature, not aggressive, very, very affectionate. And hissing very much like something was wrong. Well, she couldn't figure out which one of the three cats it was that was going off. Process of elimination, she decided it was Homer. And when she turned on her light to see what was going on, there was an intruder at the foot of her bed that had broken into her house. And he hadn't seen Homer because Homer's all black and has no eyes, so there was nothing to see in the dark. And Homer tried to attack the guy, and he got out and saved both their lives, Homer and her life, because of Homer picking up on senses of things that um, other cats might not have reacted to. He knew that something was different and that that person wasn't supposed to be there. They never did catch the person, and she ended up moving uh, to New York. Uh, he also survived 9-11. Oh, wow. Him and the other two cats for three days. With uh, She had gone to work that morning with just some uh, – she'd run across the street to get some cat food and water, filled their dishes, fully thinking she'd be back home. Didn't really know what was going on. She had just moved into the apartment in New York, um, still had a Florida driver's license, which later played out in the story to be a problem because when she tried to come back to ground zero to get to her apartment, she had to prove that she lived there. Well, she didn't have a New York license. All she had was her Miami license and a checkbook that showed that she lived in, in New York, and so they wouldn't let her through the checkpoints for three days. And she was afraid that if the windows had blown out, that Homer would be gone, blind. They're on the 31st floor of this apartment building. Was it near the Twin Towers? It was in the Manhattan area, so it was pretty close to Ground Zero, um, within like f maybe four or five blocks. Um, so there were ashes on everything, no electricity, no running water. Um, the cats were fine. Um, Homer was amazing in a lot of ways. He could uh, jump five to six feet in the air and eat a fly mid-flight. Wow. Do we have uh, actual documented proof that he did this? Um, there's actually, if you go on YouTube, you can find videos of Homer. Oh, really? Yes. Now, is Homer still with us, or is um, he no longer? Towards the end of the book, he's still he's still with them. Um, this book, I believe, was published back in 2000 and maybe 2012 was the last time I read it, but I want to say it was published back around that time. So if he is still around, he would be in his senior years for sure. Okay, so this book was published in 2009, and he was uh, 16 at that point. So I'm going to say probably not. He's with us on YouTube, however, yes. <laughs> and um, immortalized by a book. And the uh, author was his owner, Gwen Cooper. Yes, yes. And uh, Homer had a quite a following of people that really loved him. In fact, people who didn't even like cats were obsessed with Homer. Um, he had uh, a lot of stuff in common with Dewey. I mean, they both had rough starts. They both had a love for rubber bands. Um Homer had some cute habits. Being blind, he didn't have any concept of um, hiding. So he would try and sneak up on the other cats that lived with him from 
right in front of them in bare sight and had no idea that they couldn't see him or could see him for that matter. Um, wonderful personality, a very affectionate little cat, seemed to know that the, uh, the woman that rescued him was there to help him and they bonded immediately and he memorizes the layout of an entire room or house within mere minutes just by oh, wow. following around patterns. So um, he always knew how to find his food and water dish and litter box. She would start him off in the litter box, and from there he would use that as his marker to find his way around the rest of the house. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So what, do you, what are your thoughts on, on these kind of animals? When we talked about Dewey, we were talking about Homer. How important do you think it is for, for people to take in these animals that uh, most people would just cast aside? I think it's absolutely one of the best things anybody could do because I feel just like with people, I feel like they have a gift to teach, something to to help us to be better people. Um, he, he showed Gwen Cooper how to be fearless, that if this little cat is going through the world trusting others, when he really, you know, had every reason not to, um, and yet he made her braver and stronger and see things from a different perspective. He took so many leaps of faith that it caused her eventually to reach down inside of herself and go out of her comfort zone. And, and in the process, she found her future and is very happy with what she's doing now because of the advice she said she got from homework that had she not adopted that cat that day, had she, had she stuck to her gut and said, no, um, her life would have been very different. So it, you know, it's like somebody having a special needs child, they're teachers in themselves. Um, I think you and I can appreciate that. We, we work with those and, and things that come easy to us that, you know, others take for granted. Um, they have their own way of teaching us. As much as we think we're teaching them, they're teaching us so much more. So I think these little animals really have so many gifts. You know, maybe, maybe Homer taught her to um, be more observant of things. Um, I, I just, I think they're wonderful. I think anybody who has the ability and the uh, financial ability especially to adopt a special needs animal i think that's the best thing you can absolutely do you know you you rescue one life you save two. Oh, absolutely and uh, for those of you who are listening we are going to be doing a story down the road about a wonderful place called journey's end and that is um, a sanctuary for animals uh, pets that probably don't have the best quality uh, of life left or are disabled and they come to this wonderful sanctuary where they spend the, the remainder of their days but what they give back to the community and, and what they bring to people's lives is just it's priceless so we're going to be talking about that but it when we're talking about dewey when we're talking about homer uh, you can't help but think about how special these animals are and how like you said, even through these books, they're reaching out further than just their owners. They're actually inspiring people uh, to do more, to, to take care of the animals that they have, but also to be inspired to maybe do something a little bit uh, more for themselves or take risks that they maybe never thought of taking before in a positive way. And uh, Amber, also, I know that you have uh, really appreciated and enjoyed this book. In fact, <clears throat> you read it for a second time before our uh, podcast tonight, just to uh, refresh your memory. Uh, are there 
Uh, any particular chapters or incidents that you found especially heartwarming in addition to what we've already talked about? Yeah, there are. Well, to, to work backwards, um, people reading the story of Homer, uh, there was a no-kill shelter in Tennessee that after reading the story of Homer, they too came upon an eyeless black kitten that they rescued and they named Wonder. And Wonder ended up getting adopted and having a wonderful life. But to answer your question, uh, there was a part in the story before the young lady moved to New York City to uh, jumpstart her career that she was living back home with her parents who had not been cat people. They'd always had dogs, and they had two dogs. One of them's name was Brandy, and the other dog's name, I believe, might have been Carly. I could be wrong in the other dog's name. Anyways, um, when Homer went in to live with them, uh, for a while while she was getting situated, he and the dogs became inseparable. The The older big dog um, knew that when Homer had gone to get surgery that um, that he would look out for him. And if he cried, the dog would howl to make sure that somebody would go in there and check on Homer. And the other dog, Brandy, I believe was a Cocker Spaniel if I'm not mistaken, um, she and Homer became best friends and she used to bring Homer her dog treats to share with him, and he didn't understand, being a cat, that you eat carrots, uh, so he would play fetch with them and bring them back to her. His, his, uh, he had a beloved toy that he took with him everywhere, and if you were Homer's friend, the first thing he would do was introduce you to his best friend, which was a stuffed worm with a jingle bell in it, and that was kind <laughs> of funny. a sign that you were Homer's friend, and he kept that till there was nothing left of it, and uh, Gwen tried to get him a new one, but uh, he wouldn't have anything to do with the new one. He wanted the old scrap with the uh, the jingle bell attached to it. Oh, that, yeah, that's a hard thing to do. Our cat, Gizmo, has had this little squirrel, Willie, for so long, and he loves that squirrel. And if anything happens to it, he gets, he, he gets freaked out. He has to have that squirrel. And the thing looks like roadkill. I mean, it's got chunks of fur coming off of it. It's got a little bit of stuffing coming out of it. But if he does not have that squirrel in his uh, line of sight, whoo. So one of the cute stories on top of it, I explained to you in the last book that Dewey loved rubber bands. Apparently that's something with cats. But as a blind cat, not really knowing what a rubber band was, by accident one morning when, when Cooper had gotten a newspaper delivered, um, his little claw had gotten caught on one of the rubber bands and it vibrated. And he would put his paw down to stop it and realize that if he plucked it, it made a noise. Well, he became fixated. Now, Homer was a special cat because unlike the other two cats that lived with Gwen, he timed his eating and sleeping exactly with hers. If she got up to eat, he got up and he would eat. If she was sleeping, he would not get up and wander the apartment during the night like the other two cats would. He would stay with her as long as she was sleeping. And being blind seemed to have his his internal clock in sync with hers exactly until the newspaper thing became a fixation. And then he was up waiting on 5 a.m. on the dot for that uh, newspaper delivery. Well, it got to the point where um, he was so obsessed with it, she ended up having to um, switch it out and hide it and got him a toy that had sound to it. Well, a little while later, she ends up dating a young man who's a guitarist, and he would let Homer play his guitar because he liked the sounds. And Gwen had made Homer a toy that her grandmother taught her where you take a Kleenex box and you put different thickness rubber bands across the Kleenex box so that he would get different sounds and reverbs, and he would play with that 
all day long for hours and hours, just completely infatuated with it because he liked the sound. That's fascinating. Just how all of those other senses took over and, and for the, for that cat, just the different sounds and the way that it affected him was entertaining. I, I think that's fascinating. Amber, animals are really intelligent. Oh, they are. And, uh, they're, they're just a, a blessing to us and they bring so much joy and love into our lives. And, I'm sure that uh, Gwen Cooper made that uh, very obvious in the book. Amber, I'm curious. Uh, you mentioned that uh, uh, Homer was stuck in, the, in her apartment uh, because of the uh, 911 incident. Uh, does she sp give any specifics of how he endured the wait for his human to return? So what it says in the book is that he stayed glued to that window. Now, mind you, he couldn't see the sunlight on his face or whatnot, but the, the smell of the smoke and the stuff and the sound, what drew the other two cats under the bed um, in the little studio apartment that she had on 34th floor was him waiting for her. This, she had never so much as been away from this cat for a night. And the fact that she left and then to go to work and then got pushed over the bridge to the other side away from the ground zero. He stayed by that window the entire time. Mm, I can only imagine the amount of anxiety that poor oh. cat must have felt. <laughs> you know, I think the one thing that uh, none of us can deny is that animals have their own spirit and personality. Uh, they are just as in sync with who they are as people are with themselves. And, the level of emotion and self-awareness. I don't think anybody can uh, deny that. So I can only imagine how he felt uh, maybe in the same way a child feels when they don't see their parent right away. Well, I tell you what, uh, uh, Amber, uh, we, we pretty much understand that uh, dogs bond easily with humans. And uh, sometimes folks don't uh, seem to realize that cats also are very very liable to to bond with humans and and uh, we've had that experience with our own i, I hear some of your uh, special little people in the background there now that oh yes the fur babies they they do not want to be away from you too long and are are kind of resenting the amount of time you're doing the podcast i think <laughs> well, hey listen those those little pooches they want their attention too come on oh yeah well, Amber, we want to thank you so much for yet another tail-wagging incredible story, especially for those of us who love cats. So, once again, I'm Richard. And I'm Gary. Thank you, Amber. Thank you for sharing that incredible story. <laughs>